250! That's wild. What's wild is we managed to get together 250 times every week for five years. That is so what I'm saying. Crazy. I was just thinking that. I was like, I think we've had reruns once and we might have had like one episode like early on that we didn't do but there's always been at least two of us (laughs) 250 (laughs) shows which is insane um you guys this is my most consistent relationship i think in life (laughs) oh my god you're right Well, there's my marriage, but other than my marriage, this would be it. This is more consistent than my marriage in a lot of ways. So this is, yeah, like. That's fair. Do you want me to be recording this part? No, no, it's fine. It's like, I really, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's accurate. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I, I just, I really mean this. I love doing the show every week with both of you is the highlight it has been here through Gamergate and through running from off for office and losing that first time. It is just is consistently one of the best things in my professional life. And I just I love doing this show. I feel like we've meshed so much, like become more of a cohesive unit through these 250 episodes. I feel like we have a groove. We have a, a yeah. good we got a good thing going, guys. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We do. And it's, it's Simone, like, it's been amazing to watch you just like become like, I was the, a baby. Like, no, but like, you've become like a legit star. Like you yeah. are far and away. You're an amazing talent. And, and Brie knew it. I didn't know you, you know, you didn't know me. We didn't know each other until we did our first show, but it was clear to me early on. I was like, oh, this girl has something. And then you moved yeah. to New York and all the stuff you do at Polygon and, and all the other stuff you do. Like, you're just, you're such a, a massive talent that I feel like honored that that we've been on this journey you know we can like take credit even though we can't take credit we can <laughs> you can you know i think I mean? you can i feel like it was all christina to be honest no <laughs> no no i but I, i'm with Brie. like this is this is one of the highlights of my professional life but also like personally i just i love both mm-hmm. of you so much and this is 250 shows I know. How about this? 250 shows and no drama at all. Not, I, I can't, I can't believe that. Like I I certainly have had a fight with my husband in the last 250 shows. And I just, I don't know. That's true. Yeah. We're really good at this. We officially now have a podcast that people can look at in the, the feed and they'll be like, Oh, that's intimidating. (laughs) <laughs> 250. I don't know about that. And we still hear from people. I think somebody recently, I remember hearing from someone who went back and had like caught up on the show. Right. Which folks, yes. if you're a new listener, let me tell you this right now. If you're a new listener, you don't need to do that. I, no, I, I appreciate don't. it. No, it's don't. very nice. We have a news show. And the cool thing about it is that there's new news every week. And by the mm-hmm. week after that, the news, maybe not so new. I'm sure there's some good stuff back there, but there's also a lot of me learning what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but there's also Left Shark, and there's also yeah. you reading um, erotic um, uh, Apple device um, erotica um, touched by iPhone, or wasn't that, or touched by Siri? What was it called? Uh, I think it was touched by, by the Apple phone. Yeah. I think it was called the um, Apple phone specifically. Yeah. Uh, there was Mary Date Kill with uh, Pokemon. That was a classic. Oh, that was a great. 
Yeah, yep. that was yep. really good. <laughs> but, no, but 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 I but I do I do agree with with Simone. We what we should do at some point is we should go through and like find highlights and and uh, um, put something like that together for maybe new people. But yes, yeah, Simone is right. You do not need to go back and it is a new show. Just join us along and uh, you'll yeah. if you if there if there are in jokes you don't get just like anything else. It will come in time and mm-hmm. there will be a time when, when, when 250 weeks from now, you'll be like, oh, I get all these things. Yeah. You know I think is before we weeks. start the show, I think it's really, you know, you have a good show when after almost five years of working together, 250 episodes, I look forward to a conversation with the two of you every week because I know I'm going to learn something. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a conversation totally. that I still enjoy having. Yep. Yeah, Absolutely. And on that note, hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Pingdom and Hrefs and Hover. I'm Simone de Rochefort. I'm a senior video producer at Polygon.com, and I sound much different than I did last week. I'm here with Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress, and Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate at Microsoft. How are we feeling Yay. on the big two five zero? Amazing, but how are you feeling? That's the most important so thing. So much were better. So much better. I'm still coughing, and my nose is um, full right now, actually. But you know, you gotta record the pod, y'all. Sometimes you gotta make a sacrifice for the pod. And I will continue to talk until my nose closes up and I can no longer breathe. And then I will turn off my mic and I will let out such a gush. <laughs> Such a torrent that no one, no one will understand. No, that's the think, sound will be incomprehensible. Talk to me last week. He's like, uh, "Do you guys have cough buttons?" And I'm like, "I'm like maybe suggest some, and we'll figure out if we can introduce that into yeah, our pipeline." Yeah, I have. So I can turn off my mic, but <laughs> yep. I'm always I have scared that something's going to go wrong and it won't turn back on again. Yep. I have an app for you that I'll send you. It's called Sush. It's called Shush. Oh, please. Thank you. Christina yeah. has an app for everything. Thank I you. Do, I do. So I'm actually, I'm in San Francisco right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I read that you were on a plane. I was like, oh God, I hope the, the rocket starship doesn't explode. <laughs> really? Well, no. Well, well, this was why I was annoyed at first because my flight, which was supposed to take off at 11, was then moved to like um, 12 or something. And then the, there was a problem with the plane. So basically the plane was coming from San Francisco to Seattle and then to go back to San Francisco. And then that plane was going to be delayed until like 3.30. And I was like, I'm not going to be back in time for the show. Like this is this is frustrating. So there was a different flight at 1.30. So that was the flight that I got. Um, and so I, I did make the show. But I am relieved. <laughs> Me too. I thought you might be even in, in our time zone. I, I was sure you were either you're somewhere in America because if you had changed time zones drastically, this wouldn't be happening. Um, but no. I'm glad that you are still with us for now. All right. Hey, let's start the show. Fun stuff. Fun stuff this week. Only fun stuff. Uh, we we're going to talk about WeWork what's going on with them. And then we're going to talk about Photoshop coming to iPad. And we're going to finish up, of course, I think you all know what we're going to talk about. It's the new Star Wars trailer. Ooh. Oh, my God. Also, we have to have a brief uh, a, a brief remark on Aunt Becky. Yes. A brief Becky <laughs> yeah. update. A Beck date. Beck date? No, this doesn't sound as good. It sounds like I'm dating the musician Beck 
or the band Beck. I'm not sure if Beck is it's a musician, musician or a man. He's a musician. It sounds like you're dating Aunt Becky. I mean, from a the band 90s. or a man, rather. Like, not criminal Aunt Becky, but Aunt Becky from Full House. That's what uh, comes to mind. Speaking of criminals, <laughs> after <laughs> filing. No, 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 but, but, but real quick, just for the update, Aunt Becky is is almost certainly going to jail. They've added yes. more charges. They've added bribery to the charges yep. uh, in addition. Um, you guys, I'm in San Francisco, and they led with that on the local news. Lester <laughs> Holtz was, was, like, teasing that as the preview for, like, NBC Nightly News. We have, like, real serious problems happening in the world. That uh, rules. You know, impeachment. Also, like, you know, Trudeau was just reelected, which is a good thing, but there's, like, the drama in Canada. And, like, Leading like like the news that's breaking is is more charges filed against Aunt Becky and the Mossimo guy. Like I I, I love America. You, you got to know I, your I think audience. It's a, I think it's an important story because it's 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 important to remember every one of the kids that managed to bribe their way into those schools. There was another kid that didn't get a chance. And to me, I do think that's important to lead with because this is about accountability. And I think more than anything else, the American people are <laughs> thirsty to hear that our systems work in some way. So seeing but they it work, don't. They don't. But they, don't. But they, they are in this but case. they don't. But they're not because, like, it really is just like it's it's the rich people who aren't rich enough to like have the actual connections. That's the thing. Like, I'm all about the rich people getting theirs, <laughs> but like, aren't there better things that our federal prosecutors could be like spending some of their time and resources on? I'm just being honest. Fair, I don't. That's fair point. Should. Fair point. Speaking I of rich maybe people, I'm to justify watching it. Yes. Okay. Sorry. So Bone's been trying to segue. Speaking us to of rich work. people getting theirs. <laughs> <laughs> you set me up with so many zingers. I'm so yeah. two of fifty episodes. This is the kind of polish we bring to you, the listener. After failing its IPO in September, the notorious co-working company WeWork had to be bailed out by SoftBank Group, which also owned a large amount of their stock already. Um, it's taking control of WeWork. Um, so this comes after rework being valued at $47 billion in January. It was reevaluated now with this deal at $8 billion, which is sad, <gasps> uh-huh. sad times for the billionaires. Um, it did lose, the company lost $900 million in the first half of 2019. But fortunately, I think for everyone involved, I read in the Bloomberg piece about this, that the former CEO, Adam Newman, who unfortunately does have to step down, will still be a billionaire and gets to appoint two board seats. So, you know, you hate to see somebody slide off the billionaire tier of the pyramid. You hate to see it. It's a real shame. You hate to see it. I mean, but but honestly, Adam Newman uh, and and his wife, who's Gwyneth Paltrow's cousin, which is just like my favorite tidbit. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I, in fact, I kind of, I'm, I'm curious. I don't know if, if Gwyneth got into goop because of them or if, if <laughs> they got into their kooky stuff because of goop, I, it, it, it it's like, I, it's unclear, but, um, maybe Mike Icicle will write a book about that next. Uh, well, I, I, I mean, if he won't, I want to write like a, a book, like I will take book leave. I will do this because this whole saga is amazing. But I have to give it to Adam Newman, the the founder and CEO and and his his wife. You know, by all accounts, uh, they've been bad business people, yeah. um, but also by all accounts, they've done nothing illegal. So they haven't done anything like on the Elizabeth Holmes level. And by all accounts, they've also been smart business people in really key ways like uh 
buying buildings and then, you know, leasing back the companies and taking out loans, uh, you know, on company stock, which is now worthless, that they won't have to repay and that will be like forgiven for them and having all kinds of shares that will be doing this. Like he already had $700 million. He'd already like sold $700 million worth of his stock before. And now they're going to give him like another 200 million to go away on top of potentially buying back like another like 1.7 billion it's crazy he's the numbers he's, are truly horrendous it, it really is when you consider that all the employees who are not adam newman their stock mm-hmm. is now worthless because they have common stock which is now completely worthless so yeah. anybody who got a job there thinking that their options were going to be worth anything uh hey i've been there and uh but, but not <laughs> as large as a as a we work thing so like genuinely like have deep, deep empathy. Like that, that sucks. Like there's no way around it, but he somehow has gotten completely off scot-free. Um, and he's rich enough now that he can literally, I'm sure he already travels with security, but he can like, you know, travel with, with very high powered security to make sure nobody kills him because I'm sure legitimately people probably like want to break his legs. But like, unless we see any, any, um, thing that he's done anything illegal, he's just going to ride off into the sunset. And I have to be honest you know how I love a scamster or a grifter. Christine, I think, please. <laughs> I, I'm not saying I want to be friends with him, but I am saying that I want to be like friendly enough that they like invite me to setter so that I can like get insight <laughs> on like how the grift went down because I kind of can't hate him. I'm sorry, guys. I'm I'm the worst. I, I, I have to because it, no one should have this much money. I, the words that I'm reading here walks away with as much as $1.2 billion, a $500 million credit line from SoftBank, which took over the company. He's allowed to l- sell slightly less than $1 billion, again, of his stock. Um, and he gets a $185 million consulting fee as well as appointing two board seats. I know it's insane and it's awful and 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 I'm very angry at the board of the investors. I don't think anyone but a government should have numbers this big. (laughs) I don't disagree. And he did. This is what he gets for being like a colossal like a loser. uh, You're gonna you're you're gonna have to believe this. A good talker, a smooth talker. No, no, this is what he gets for being a colossal. This is like if Job from Arrested Development, like. This is like if Joe ran a company and it did this and then oh like, uh, you know, George Sr. was just like, here you go. Like it, it's <laughs> I mean, in some ways it is kind of succession like, you know, what? it is 100 percent succession like. And I bet 50 people have sent this story to Jesse Armstrong today alone. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if this is not the next season, if they don't have some sort of we work like thing we've done, then I will be disappointed. Oh, absolutely. but like, yeah. but, but here's the thing. And then I'll let you guys talk. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm angry at the I'm angry at the board and I'm angry at the investors, but I kind of can't be angry at the dude who's getting all this money because like you don't let the wolves into like you know the you don't let it at the flock. Like what do you expect? Like I I couldn't agree more. I have a list of points for everything you just said. So a you should absolutely write this book. Mike Isaac can get a deal with Showtime and the guy behind Billions. I 100% think you could write something exactly as good if you wrote this book. So I encourage you to do that professionally. Uh, Simone, I completely agree. No human should be making this much money. And can we be honest? Like, and, and maybe this is me. Tell me if I'm wrong here. But it's like I go into... Like, I know I'm about to read an article about WeWork today, and then I click the link, and I open up the Wall Street Journal picture, and then 
the article opens up and there's this picture of a particularly gorgeous man. And I I think that has something to do with how he was able to to cheat the bankers over all of this. They just lost forty billion dollars of valuation. <laughs> and and, and, well, and, and uh, SoftBank, this is amazing. Well, right. SoftBank, in in fairness, they do have a history oh. of making bad investments. Right. Uh, SoftBank, you will remember, in 2012, 2013, decided to buy uh, uh, a majority stake in Sprint. Yes, right. that's right. Oh, Sprint, dear. everyone's everyone's favorite tele- uh, wireless telecom that that bet against LTE and said that <gasps> no, 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 their form of 4G was going to take off. It didn't, <laughs> and uh, and and basically bankrupt the company until SoftBank yep. came along and and then had to sell it for scraps to uh, T-Mobile. But so so they have some some bad misses. But even in the case of bad misses, you make a ten billion dollar investment. I understand the whole thing of throwing like good money after bad. You feel like okay, I got to get ahead. I'm already this invested into it. Maybe I can turn it around. Or maybe usually it's for regular investors, not like billionaires. We're like we just don't want to face reality, and you got to get to a point where you're like really in a hole, and you're like, all right, that stock ain't never coming back. I'm I'm done. But like to throw eight billion. Um, and all these other things after you've already basically lit 10 billion on fire. I oh, mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's really interesting to me. Um, I, I mean, I, 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 I'm very curious to, I, I, I wish that we could talk to, uh, uh, what's his name? Masuaku san. I wish we could like ask him like, what's, what's, what's your game? What's your grift? Like, what are you thinking? Or, or do you just not care because you're so rich? Or do you actually think this still has something to it? Because that's really fascinating. Well, didn't they also invest in Uber and lose a bunch of money there? Yes, but I think Uber, I will defend in one way. I think Uber actually has a business. I don't know if their model works. I think they charge too little. I think they are a really awful company. I think the product and the business itself Yep. Does, mm-hmm. does actually self. exist fundamentally? Yeah, self. absolutely. Like, and, and, and Uber, if they would, and if and Uber, even when you see when they go into other verticals like Uber Eats and other stuff, like Uber is a logistics company, and that has the the stuff that they've done from a technology standpoint, I think is actually really laudable. Whereas, like, WeWork is literally just Regis, it's a real but, estate like, company. It's it, a, it, it's, it's, a, a, it's, it's Regis. It's literally just Regis, but like you know, with with nicer offices. Right. I mean, they they're they're pulling the they're pulling a scheme. I don't want to use the word scheme. They're they're pulling a business model here, which has a potential to give value to a very specific kind of clientele, but that's a very limited market share. Yes. And they've like expanded it in these ways that just seem like regular, old fashioned, kind of insider shady business deals. Do you know what I mean? It's oh, just completely it's, completely and it's and, gross. And, and it's- and it's uh, Masayoshi's son is uh, is the SoftBank uh, yep. uh, founder. Uh, yeah, but I I feel like I feel like the bigger story behind WeWork is this. You know, Rock is not a political show, but this is the bigger context that I see. Over the last twenty years, we've seen a real real explosion in not the the one percent, not the point one percent, but the one percent of the one percent. Mm-hmm. And they have so much money and so much capital sitting around. And just imagine if you're in that position, what can you do with it? Sure, you can put in a thirty year T bill, you can put it in a bank, but it makes sense to go out there having it work for you. You can only buy so many houses, you can only buy so many cars, although I could push that to the limit. And <laughs> And and so it's like, what do you do with it? 
And when you have Saudi Arabia, when you have China, when you have Japan, they've got to find something and invest in it, which is why they're making these really big bets. And that gets to a point, it's like, we have no business model. This is not going to work. We are screwed. And they're pushing for this IPO. And the thing, the the thing that bothers me more than any anything else with this, I can accept that we work pulled the wool over investors' eyes and and brought them down a dark path. I can accept that. I can accept that this company dropped sharply in valuation. I get that. What I fundamentally don't understand, what I want to see accountability for, are the the bankers behind the IPO that oh, looked yeah. at this and said, <laughs> you know what, 40, $40 billion, that's a solid value. $48 billion, wasn't it? That's a solid valuation yeah. for this company. I really think they're like if you were a journalist and you got something that wrong, you would need to at the very least offer a very public retraction. If yeah. you're a politician oh, yeah. and you got oh, it wrong, you well, need to doubt. resign. And I yeah. just want to see consequences. Yeah, I mean that'll be interesting. They, uh, so so J.P. Morgan is the is the bank that was leading um, the IPO, and it was a uh, they had to fight hard to get it. As I recall, there's a really good New York Magazine article um, from a few weeks ago that I will find and I will I will put I will uh, give you in, in um, Skype, Simone, so that you can put it in the notes. But there was a really good New York Magazine article that kind of talked about the process of them preparing for the IPO. What was interesting about the article was that at one point the the author clearly had some like direct connections with WeWork. And then that changed as the narrative around the IPO changed and as the IPO delayed. Like they spent something like, I, I don't remember what the number was, but it was some truly obscene figure on the S1 itself. Like they hired uh, photo editors from Vanity Fair to do the photographs that they wanted. And they spent all this time like on the narrative, but not really any time on the the text. And this is all stuff that your investment bank, you know, like th- this is all things that, that your your bank that's trying to take this out to prospective, you know, investors should be doing. And and so so this was JP Morgan, uh, JP Morgan Chase, and um, you know, uh, uh, Jamie uh, Diamond, who's a very well respected financial uh, guy. He's you know actually Adam Newman's personal uh, uh, banker, um, and. Oh yeah. Um, so he is cleaning things up and, and you know, on the JP Morgan side, the one thing I think we can say is that and there was a really good article from um, uh, it was also in I, th- I think it was in uh, New York magazine, but uh, from um, a, a professor, uh, a, a professor Galloway. He does. He's on a Kara Spisher's podcast where he said that. You know, the good thing about this is that the market is that the the systems that are supposed to catch these things did. And ultimately, it was journalists and, um, you know, uh, kind of, you know, the SEC and other things that really prevented this from getting to the public, which is a really good thing. Like, it's a really bad thing for the um, employees who are both worried about their jobs and now have worthless stock. But the good thing is, is that this never hit the public markets. And this was never something that people, you know, were convinced that that hedge funds and uh, or not hedge funds, but like, you know, at retirement funds and, and other um, investment vehicles were, you know, um, uh, bought into only to see, you know, the, the value disappear overnight. So that's that's the good thing. Mm hmm. It just baffles me completely that they got this far without ever really showing in good faith that this business model could work 
that there was a business model that functioned. I I believe last time when we talked about the IPO filing, we talked about why it matters that really they're a real estate company masquerading as a tech company. Can yep. you refresh my memory of why that is kind of at the the heart of this? Well, they were being valued on tech company terms. And so they were, they were the valuation for tech company and for software, for hardware or whatever tends to be at a multiple that's much bigger than um, more uh, boring um, or uh, you, uh, boring would be what some people say. Other people might say consistent industries. Uh, so, real uh, estate, uh. So, so, so like a real estate company, you might be looking at like a three-time valuation, uh, you know, three extra returns, whereas a tech company might be get, getting 20 or 30 times when it comes to how you're valuing valuing the company and, and their assets. And so it if you can sell yourself as a tech company, then when you're raising money from venture capitalists, you can typically get higher valuations and higher amounts of money. And if you are able to successfully convince the public markets the same thing, then in theory, Wall Street will look at you the same way as well. So, I mean, I think that's that's my take. I, Bri, I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that. No, it's, it's exactly the same take. Um, you know, with the tech industry, I think the perception when you do IPOs is you're betting on the future. You're betting on potential, right? You're hoping this company is going to grow. In the case of Facebook, sadly, uh, that IPO was a very good call. They were <laughs> able to Leviathan-like uh, cement their position on things, and that was a good call. You know, we covered Theranos, uh, Theranos on this show quite a bit. Uh, that was a company that tried to pull the tech industry like potential idea with, uh, with science and medicine when they didn't have anything to back it up. Real estate is a much more conservative kind of game. It's about placing long bets. Mm. But in this particular case, they don't even own the buildings. They own leases. Yeah, they're renting and then renting. They're right. selling mm-hmm. yeah, subscriptions to buildings that they're renting. Right. And there's right. no strong geographic uh, concentration. There's not a sector of the market that they're particularly invested in. So I, I have to be honest, I feel kind of a little resentful the same way I do at Theranos because the tech industry, you you do have that potential for explosive growth. And it feels like other companies are trying to label themselves this way to cash out really quickly. And it just, it, it feels like, it feels like appropriating my culture. <laughs> well, I mean, on, on, on the one hand, I agree with you. On the other hand, the one thing I will say is I do not let the tech industry off the hook on this at all. Oh, yeah. um, at all. Because, because in, in some cases I would agree with you. I think that you have companies that are clearly not tech companies that masquerade that way. And yeah, I feel like they're appropriating our culture in this case. The tech industry and the tech investors and everybody involved with tech was ready to hail WeWork as a tech company, even though it wasn't, up until the minute the S1 came out and everybody realized like how awful it was. Literally, it took until that moment for the tech community to disavow it. So to me, if you but at the same time, when it was flying high, when it was at a $47 billion valuated company, you know, had had a valuation of $47 billion. Oh, we were happy to to count it as one of another successful example of a tech company making good. Yeah, it drives me nuts. it's a disruptor. It's this, it's that. And here's the thing. If you're going to be able to, if, if you're going to glom on and you're going to try to take credit when things look good, when things go go badly, 
you have to take credit as well. So I don't give the tech industry, the tech commentators, anybody involved, the Hacker News crowd. It's so funny. In Hacker News, they went from like defending WeWork and calling a tech company and this and that to literally like the minute the S- like it looked bad, like, oh, well, I don't think it's fair to call this a tech company. No, no. I <laughs> You know what? If, if you owned this and if you got if you lot of this and like you celebrated this, then you have to deal with the consequences. And this is now a tech company failure. It's not a tech company. But since you decided to sell it that way and decided to buy into that lie, I feel like let I'm I want the I want Silicon Valley to be painted with a negative brush on this, even though it's a New York company. But I want Silicon Valley to look bad with this because they should because they like lifted this up. Mm-hmm. It's I think that's fair. Definitely. And on that note. This episode of Rock Hit. <laughs> oh no. It's brought to you by our brilliant friends over at Pingdom. Pingdom are brilliant because they help keep your sites and the sites you love online. Pingdom monitor your site so that you don't have to. And they give you real time feedback so you know exactly what's going on at all times. The internet mm-hmm. is awesome. But stuff breaks there all the time, all the time. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month. That was that went more off the rails than I meant it to, because no, the car is fully in control at all times. Stuff breaks on the internet, and Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month. Y'all, that's more than 400,000 400, outages every day. And that is merely a fraction of Adam Newman's net worth. It doesn't <laughs> matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company. You need alerts about any critical website issues. They'll let you customize how you are alerted depending on the severity of an outage. Plus, they'll track and analyze your website's load time so you can see what's affecting the user experience. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom. And Pingdom have a no-fuss approach to getting started. All they need is the URL that you'd like to monitor. I just punched myself in my headphone. But get that URL handy and take it to Pingdom because they t- they take care of the rest. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you sign up, use the code ROCKET at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first voice. That's P-I-N-G-D-O-M dot com slash RelayFM. 14-day free trial, 30% with the offer code ROCKET. Thank you so much, Pingdom, for sponsoring this episode of Rocket and Relay FM. Thank you, Pingdom. Hoorah! It is time to talk about some Photoshop for iPad, isn't it? This is big news. Photoshop's iPad launch is imminently upon us, and we learned through a critical write-up from Mark Gurman and Nico Grant in Bloomberg, Photoshop for iPad has been being developed under the code name Rockets. They finally heard us, (laughs) y'all. They're finally listening. We can all agree this is the best product ever. We have nothing bad to say. Nothing bad to say. Good topic. Moving on to dessert. No, uh, exactly. (laughs) Good job, Adobe. We 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 love you and your and your code names. Yes, it's beautiful. So. 
Photoshop for iPad. It has come into the news lately because there's been some clarifications being offered on what exactly the product offers. It is a mobile version of the Photoshop software. It's being built using the same code base as the desktop Photoshop app, but uh, it is leaving out some features. So while it is a huge technical achievement, some of the people who have been testing it have felt a bit disappointed in what it offers. However... John Gruber argues in Daring Fireball uh, that because it's being built on the same code base, the, uh, when the iPad version launches and the iPad continues to improve over time, uh, as tech products do, ah, um, features can be, and confirmed by Scott Belsky of Apple, will be added back in. Uh, currently, some of the missing or less advanced, less advanced than desktop version features include things like filters, uh, custom paintbrush libraries, which I know are huge for artists, um, smart objects, layer styles, the pen tool, which I hate, frankly, so they should just get rid of it, and certain options Mm. for mask creation, uh, Bloomberg reports. So, how do we feel about this? I I have paid my rent with Photoshop for many years, and I think that all of us here would agree there's a core of... Photoshop tools that you have to have for it to feel like Photoshop. The selection tools, the feather tool, uh, gradient tools, the quick mass tools. Mm -hmm. And I understand that importing this to iPad, they're going to have to look at the paradigm and change some things. I was thinking about this, like quick mask it's it's one thing when you're trying to make like feathered selections uh, using a mouse or even the stylus, but I think if it's native to the iPad, I could see them taking a a critical UI look at what that process is and throwing some things out and keeping some other things. So I am I'm okay if it's not full Photoshop. But it's got to have that core functionality because, uh, you know, I like Pixelmator, uh, but Mm -hmm. it's 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 barely usable in a production pipeline. I mean, if you're doing minor photo work, maybe, but I've tried to use it for complicated uh, composites on iPad. It's a hot mess. Um, Have you you tried Affinity? No, I don't think I have. You should try Affinity. They make um, a, a, a iOS app and um, a Mac app and a Windows app as well. And huh. their stuff is not, it, it's it's good. It's like $50. Um, and, and I really like the designer, which is like their uh, their vector app a lot. Um, the photo app I haven't spent as much time with, but it's good. But you should check that out. I will. Um, I have a brief correction to offer myself, which is I'm pretty sure I said Apple, Apple instead of Adobe when I mentioned yeah. Scott Belsky. <laughs> Fair point. Thank Fair point. you. My, uh, but what I'm saying, I, I think it's also true that Apple um, has been marketing the the iPad Pro and Photoshop with it, not just for the last year. This has been something I've been talking about for a really long time. I remember them talking about this with the iPhone. So um, I, I just kind of feel like it's time they need to ship a real product in this space. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, but I do think, um, I, I will say, I think from a technical level, um, I'm not exactly sure what Adobe is doing here, but it seems like their approach is probably very similar to the approach that Microsoft takes um, with Office, where the Office code base at this point, and this was a multi-year effort, like it took years, like it took the better part of a decade to, to finally get the Mac and Windows on the same code base. And when they did that, they also unified Android and iOS as well. And so you have one core code base 
that all of the applications share. And then they have their native, you know, 100% native, like, uh, you know, not using wrappers or anything, you know, like the, the Mac app is a Mac app, the iPhone app is an iPhone app, the the Windows app is obviously Windows um, stuff on top of it. And so the, the, the base code under Office 365, no matter what platform you're on, is coming from the same place, but there are differences. And there are some features you have some places that you don't have others, like um, you know, there, there are certain st- there are certain things you can do on the Windows version that you can't do on the Mac version. There's certain things you can do on the desktop that you can't do on mobile. And there are actually some things in mobile that are better and that you can do there that you can't do on the mm-hmm. desktop. So I'm 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 taking from based on what I'm reading, I think Adobe is probably in a similar position and they have a similar challenge, right? Where they have uh, it's similar to Office where you have this legacy code base and also a legacy user base, people who live and die by these tools. And if you're not doing a port, you're actually using the same code and then you're trying to figure out, like you were saying, Brie, like, okay, what UI things do we want to change? What features do we need? What features do we not need? You know, um, there's probably a challenge and it's probably going to be one of those um, things that gets better with time. I, I don't think it's fair for some of the commenters who are like, oh, well, this isn't as good as this app or that app. Because the thing is, is that at first that might be true, but you have to think that the the real offer here, the real promise here is that this is going to be Photoshop and that you're going mm-hmm. to be able to integrate this with your Photoshop workflow that you use on other devices. Yeah, I think the most important thing is obviously that because they all share a code base, it will be much easier for them to keep it secure in the future. It will be easier for them to offer updates and keep things consistent across the platforms. And also, like if your workshow or workflow, wow, is already in Photoshop. I don't work show. What a what am I on tonight? If your workflow is in Photoshop, I think the most important thing. Um, even above having the same features, is just being able to move files back and forth between Without those devices. If I know, like, if I know that I need to um, work on a video, uh, take it from my iMac and work on it on my laptop, I'm pro- there are probably certain things I'm not going to do on my laptop simply because I'll be working with a trackpad and it's kind of annoying. Um, I probably won't do any, like, intense graphics work, text layers, things like that, because weirdly Premiere gets fussy about that. Um, what I will do is I'll just, I'll make cuts and I'll move clips around because that's less intensive for my uh, that machine. So as long as the files can be consistent, yeah. I can yeah. I can make allowances in my workflow and do what's convenient totally. at the time. No, I agree. And and there um I think this is an opportunity for Adobe as well. Like a lot of people have really hated the Creative Cloud subscription model. And I do. I do. That's um, me you're talking I mean, about. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, look, I, I, I get it. Um, but I also am kind of of the opinion. I'm like, I think that what it was is there were a lot of us, and I'll totally admit this and count myself in this, who used to pirate Photoshop or Creative Suite. And um, and so we liked having all the apps, but we don't actually use them every day as work tools. I think if you are somebody who uses those apps every single day, $600 a year, if you get the you know subscription is more than fair for something that is like key to your job. I get why people don't like the subscriptions. I do think that you can, I, I believe this is, this is true, proven to be true. Adobe has done a really good job of updating their apps consistently and adding new features. And I think that what you were saying, Simone, about keeping things secure and adding new things, in a lot of ways, this is the sort of thing where Photoshop or iPad can only continue to get better and evolve and get more compatibility. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it. I, I think it only can happen in this climate and with the way software exists now with a subscription model, because 
if Adobe were to do it otherwise and they're going to charge $200 for it, no one's going to spend $200 for the app, right? Like that's just not going to happen. Whereas you might spend $10 a month for the Photoshop and Lightroom plan. So um, I, I think, uh, I know why people don't like subscriptions and, and, I, and I'm like sympathetic to that. But I also think that if you're going to be supporting this type of software and this sort of stuff, the only way you can really do that and, and get updates and have compatibility and have like new things added and and um, have consistency is sadly just through subscriptions. So in some ways, this is kind of a, a bonus, I guess, for people who um, like like me and 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 Bree who who pay and, and Simone because she has one through work. Um, well, mine is through work as well, but you know who pay the Adobe tax. Yeah, the Adobe I, tax. Uh, for me, it's it's. I have a lifetime building up these skills, right? Like learning yes. After Effects, that is a long learning curve to be able to do that well. Uh, Adobe Audition, I cannot... Like Christina, when I was doing my first animation startup in the 90s, like we're sitting there with Adobe Audition 1.0. That's how long I've been doing that, figuring out the zero-bit encoding part for like cutting yep. parts <laughs> of things together. These are skills that I have. And I may, like with my current job, I might not want to, I I don't need the latest and greatest tool just because I don't Fair have enough. time to to learn it. And I wish it's it's more convenient for Adobe, certainly, to go ahead and get that $50 a month from people like me. Because yes, there is certainly over the course of any given month of work, a Photoshop file I'm going to need to look at and fix for my team or a sound file to edit or an After Effects like a motion graphic to tweak on a video I'm doing. All of that's going to come up. But I'm not using what would this be? Like uh, several hundred dollars of innovation a year. It's just not <laughs> where I'm at. And it, I think it feels exploitive to a lot of people. That's a whole different discussion. Yeah, I, I yeah, get yeah. that. I get that Adobe is doing this here. I want to see them bring this to iPad because frankly, I, I really have come to grow. I've grown to love my iPhone 11 Pro. The camera is amazing. But at this price point, this is a $1,400 phone. That right. is as much as a MacBook costs. And I really mm -hmm. think at this price point for this and the iPad Pro, which when you get the Apple Care and the keyboard and all that stuff, you're looking at, you know, what was it, $1,600. I just mm -hmm. feel like there need to be professional apps there because there are going to be days I'm sitting in my car, I'm the only person on my team that knows Photoshop and something's just got to get done, you know? Yeah, no, yeah, mm -hmm. totally. Well, I'm hoping, and I know that you would, you agree with me on this, Simone, like what I'm hoping is that, or I think you'll agree with me, is that if they're successful with Photoshop, that will then lead to Premiere and not, you know, Premiere Rush, but actual Premiere on an iPad. Because actual that would be, Premiere. That would be game changer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I totally agree with you, Brie, about having more uh, premium apps for this platform. Yep. Hey, do y'all want to hear about our next sponsor? Yes. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Ahrefs. Whether you work for a big brand, run your own small business, or do freelance work, let me tell you, getting traffic to your website is really hard. There's so much competition out there. Everyone has a freaking website. Ahrefs is an all-in-one SEO tool set that solves that problem. Oh, do you want to know the mysteries of the Google? 
Ahrefs does. It gives you the tools you need, need to rank your website in Google, which is where the people do the searching. You can get tons of traffic. SEO is kind of, I think it can be kind of a, a black box. Sometimes it's hard to know what are the search terms that are appropriate and then like how to pack as many of them onto your page as possible while also still seeming like a human um, and not an I, I I totally, uh, I was looking for information the other day and I clicked on one of those websites that was literally just like phrasing the question 10 different ways and then not actually providing an answer. I think it was about when a season of a show was coming back and it's like season, next season of this show, season of show coming back. And then it was like, it hasn't been announced. We'll see. I was like, you got me there. Anyway, don't do that. Use Ahrefs. Ahrefs uncovers how your competitors are getting traffic and why. You can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic, which rules. You can spy on them. And you can get estimated search volumes with their Keywords Explorer tool. So you can see how well a piece of content is likely to perform before you write it. Ahrefs has a ton of useful stuff, like, uh, for example, a content content explorer, which can help you find guest blogging opportunities, and rank tracker, which lets you track your progress on keywords. It'll even pick up broken backlinks, yo, and help you fix them. Take the mystery out of SEO. Go to ahrefs.com right now, and guess what? That's spelled A-H-R-E-F-S dot com. Sign up for their seven-day trial for just $7. Get reports on your website, see what's performing well, and figure out your next move. Whether you have a personal website that you want to get a following on, or your company perhaps needs more traffic to convert into sales, go there now. It's ahrefs.com. Get that $7 trial. Thanks so much to Ahrefs for your support of Rocket and all of Relay FM. All right. It is time to talk about the Star Wars. Woohoo! Woo! So there was a new trailer last night during the, the big game. During the big game. What was the game? I don't even, I just cared about I the Star Wars. I honestly do not know. All I ever heard people talk about was the Star Wars. I, I should not admit this, but... <gasps> I should not admit this publicly. Admit this. But okay, Frank, I was talking to Frank and he had to explain to me that Monday Night Football is an actual show and not oh. just Monday <laughs> Night Football. Which oh, boy. I didn't know because I don't watch football. Um, I understand why you made that mistake. I, I've known that for a while, but I don't know how long, <laughs> like, it, like, I don't know when I learned that, but I totally understand why you made that. I'm going to be honest. When I learned it was right now. yes yes i'm not alone awesome interesting Um, i have a i have a technical question here i can't figure this out so i got a tweet during uh right after this trailer went live it was the star wars official twitter account that was tweeting at me it goes brianna Wu, blah 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 here's the trailer buy tickets here blah 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 and what I can't figure out is if you look through the Star Wars like mentions, I'm not there yes. and no one else yes. is there. Do they right. have some kind of it's, API it's, yes. where yeah, you can send it privately? Yes. Yeah. 
There's a special Twitter feature that Twitter offers brands. Apple uses it. Star Wars, I guess, does some other things. And you can like opt in in certain cases. And you get so you must have interacted with them at some point and said, let me know when we have this information. And they will they're able to then send you a reminder. Um, wow. Communication. So, yeah, that's something Twitter's had it for uh, three or four years, I think. Um, Apple's the only company I've seen use it. But that's a smart use case. Yeah. For uh, or for Star Wars, for sure. They got I don't find out how to do that. So on election day, anyone that's ever tweeted about Brianna Wu will know to go vote if they live in uh, my district. Um, yeah. you, you, should, you should reach out to, uh, to Twitter's people on that because that would be an interesting use case. I think that the user has to um, like engage first. Yeah. But that would still be really good. Like you would still you could still uh, target people and do promoted tweets in some ways. But that would be a really good thing. Anybody who's ever engaged with your campaign to be able to send them stuff. That's really smart. Absolutely. You know, it's also really good. Uh, I thought this trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it looks like a rule. So we see Ray uh, practicing her agility, chasing, hunting something um, in a big forest uh finn it, i'm not sure what finn is doing honestly he's not really in this trailer a lot but we also get some very uh, heartwarming shots of everybody finally after three movies gathering in the cockpit of the millennium falcon um Woo-hoo! for some kind of final battle and we also even more importantly get some shots of ray and kylo ren fighting <laughs> oh, in the rain they're so wet yeah well they're they're they're, they're force fracking um which is which is I a, know. I, look which is a thing that we coined on the show you know what's great you guys this is how long this podcast has been going on like I think when the first um, uh, uh, Last Jedi trailer like went live, we were we we hadn't been doing the show that long, so we've literally been going like the entire Star Wars. Like, <laughs> oh my god, the, the you're right. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes, we are history. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so so I went through this trailer frame by frame with my husband, and of course you did. um and. Uh, I just want to note some things I noticed. Uh, uh, one of the sets that Ray and Kylo Ren are in is the uh, the set of the Emperor's Throne from Return of the Jedi on the Death Star 2. So at some point, they go back to Endor. Um, that's there. Uh, you've, of course, uh, you have a shot where it looks very much like Cloud City, where Lobot was. So I'm guessing at some point they go to recruit Lando into the Resistance by going back to Cloud City. And then, of course, you've got those shots of the Star Destroyers coming up out of the ocean, and you also hear the Emperor's voice. So um, my guess is something with the mystery of who are Ray's parents is going to tie to the Emperor. Mm. <laughs> Place your bets now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously Disney knows how to cut a good trailer. Um, oh, yeah. But, man, this is a good trailer. And it's making me excited. Also, Carrie Russell's going to be in this movie, which just makes me so happy because she's like J.J. Abrams' like first star. And Felicity, to me, is like the still the best J.J. Abrams property ever. Sorry, but it is. And, really? No, no. J.J. Abrams proper. Oh, J.J. Okay, got it, got it, got it. I thought you were talking about Carrie no, Russell. No, no, yeah, no, no, okay. no, no. Carrie Russell. Yeah. I, well, it, it's, it's hard, right? Uh, the Americans supposed to it's hard, but yeah, but uh, the Americans. But uh, but anyway, I'm Thanks. very excited. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm yeah. very excited for her to to be uh, in it. And uh, yeah, I know this is this, this is good. Um, also, uh, I'm I'm very excited about like 
like JJ Abrams being back for this. And, and uh, yeah, this is going to be, I'm, I'm excited. Cause I think we were all pretty disappointed with the last yeah. film. There, there are a lot of things I like. Yeah. I thought it was inconsistent, but enjoyable. Um, yeah. I, there were definitely parts where it felt like it. No, no. You know what? You know what I hated? You know what I hated about the last film? There's this one shot of a guy on the planet during the last stand. It's that was, red or white surface planet and he touches his glove to the planet and then he licks his hand and then he says it's salt and they didn't need to tell us that it was salt we didn't need to know it could have just been a cool planet where the white stuff turned into red stuff when the spaceship fly over and but no you wasted a second of my life to tell me that that was freaking salt put it in the lore um and that was my biggest problem with that movie one of you know the prequels get a lot of criticism for a very good reason i was a prequel defender until these movies started coming out and now i'm like okay i'm done defending them they're trash no no because the prequels oh. are trash i mean and yeah. i think force awakens uh, and and i misspoke earlier i i, I said last jedi that was always the last one we've been right, talking right, about right. this about this series since the first force awakens trailer we've been yep. following this the whole yep. saga but yeah, yeah uh but i'm with you i've never been a prequel defender ever but but i'm glad to know that now that these are out you're that you're on team uh team you know uh trash prequels trash like, yeah but my, my point here is i think if i were to say something good about the prequels is i think the design language was much more interesting naboo was a very interesting sure. uh design the starships like the, the naboo type j fighter that is an interesting design. And I think the prequels made an effort to bring new ships and new aesthetics into the Star Wars universe. And I think my biggest critique of this trailer and, you know, episodes uh, seven through nine is it feels like it's just recycling all the design aesthetic of the original trilogy. And I want to see new, like, Imperial fighters. I want to see new types of Star Destroyers. Like, this is, what, 25 years after the original trilogy? Mm -hmm. Uh, This is all advanced, but it hasn't. Like, the most we've really seen is a slightly updated uh, Stormtrooper helmet. Yeah, and I think there is, like, one new, like, little fighter, like, TIE fighter-sized fighter, but you're totally right that... I, I feel like they are in kind of a trap where those big Star Destroyers are so iconic. Um, yeah. And I don't think they have the guts to totally rehaul those. No. Well, and, and for good reason, because to your point, Brie, like you on the one hand, you're right. Like they maybe did some interesting arc direction stuff with the, the prequels. But as we're all talking about, like they're trash and, you know, Natalie Portman deserved better. And, um, you know, yeah. like she's really lucky that she got out of that unscathed. I mean, she got to wear those costumes. She did, but also she's like, and, and I mean this like with all seriousness, she was, and she's one of like our generation's best actresses, but yeah. that, that could have ruined her career. I'm not, I'm not even joking. Like yeah. it could, it could, it could, it, it could have ruined um, her career. Like what's his faces? Uh, Hayden Christensen. Absolutely Thank you. Ruined I his kept career. wanting to say Hans Christian Anderson. And I was like, I don't, <laughs> this isn't right. No, it completely ruined Hayden Christensen's career. It could have ruined Natalie Portman's. She's just too talented and and they cast her and think she was able to get out of it. But like, you know, when when they took on kind of the the new art direction and, and George Lucas was obviously involved in those, there was a lot of fans and a lot of people to this day that still don't like um that stuff. And so 
this has been always, I think, the battle that J.J. Uh, Abrams and the other you know writers and producers have had to face with this trilogy. And I think they've done a really good job, but they've I I they've had to lean in more towards fan service. Yeah. Um, I think because they know that the audience will like eviscerate them, but at the same time, like, but there are limits to what you can do because it's just, it, it's not a movie. It's like a cult. So I don't disagree with you, but it's hard. Yeah. On that note, I'm almost okay with the movies continuing to stay in the middle of the road while series like hopefully we'll see from the Mandalorian or like we have seen from the Clone Wars series will mm-hmm tell different stories in interesting ways no 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 and i think that's a great point like i think that does open up and that's been the interesting thing with star wars i think is that you have these side stories and and this has always been the case like whether it's the novels or some of the other things and now the tv shows to tell interesting stories but i think jj is really smart and Hath and kennedy they've been really smart to be like okay we know what happened 20 years ago and we're not going to do that again because people got really angry and still aren't over it so we're we might be might be a little more boring, might be like less whatever, but we we also know that that this is what people like. I, I'm excited to see the trilogy, and I think Adam Adam Diver is just he's. Uh, I mean, who who <laughs> Lena Lena Dunham? God God bless her, because honestly, yeah. the best thing she's she like she's a good writer, and she's annoying, and she's like problematic, whatever. But like for Adam Diver alone, like she kind of gets passes in a certain sense because <laughs> she they, made him. She did because honestly, nobody would have cast him. Cause like, you know what I mean? And he's yeah. so good in so many things. And he, Kylo Ren, I'm sorry. I love him. Like he's just, I do too. I love it. He's like, there's that shot of him walking down the storm store with his yeah. lightsaber by him, like marching into a Star Wars movie like he's in Shonen Manga. And yeah. it's just like, it's so over the top and ridiculous. And I love it. All right. Uh, hey, one more. Yeah, baby. It's yeah. over. One of the show's longest running sponsors. No yeah. friggin' lie. Uh, when you have. Have one big idea? Where do you go? For a ton of entrepreneurs, Hover is that big leap because your business starts with a domain name. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from, so no matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it. And they have excellent technical support to answer any questions that you may have, and they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Hover has free who is privacy so that the bad guys don't get your information, a clean UX and UI, and monthly sales on popular top-level domains. Oh, that's right. It's very easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses. As always, I'm going to continue on to Hover.com. Um, what, what's our theme for today? Well, I actually am buying a domain right now from Hover.com as we're doing this. What? And I am, and it uh, it fits it fits our theme quite well. And you will all be really excited to know that um, energyofwe.com belongs to us. <gasps> no. <laughs> oh my uh-huh. god. Uh huh. And you're redirecting that yep. to Rocket. This should be your book title. Oh yeah, Christina. No, yes. it, it, well, that's that was initially what I said. I said Energy of We would be the book title, and then I said no, the title should be We Are Never Getting Back Together. Oh my God. Okay, <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little critical here. 
you had a better title before. Energy of We is the better title. Yeah. Um, but, you know, your Fair. pun is very good and I enjoy it. Uh, you can call the first draft that. And, and, yeah. And, and I think uh, I think um, energyofwe.com. Uh, I'm going to actually try to make some shirts that have that phrase on it and put them on Cotton Bureau. But I am going to, to, to redirect it to Rocket until I get uh, shirts done. But uh, this literally just came to me as you were doing the ad read. Um, uh, thank you, Hover. Uh, for all of your support, and I'm shocked that energy if we was available. That's amazing. That's, um, well, he's and, got to pay you a billion dollars at some point for that, Christina. So congratulations. I, mean, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. For now, you can redirect it to episode 250, and then when you write your book, that can be your book site. Uh, so I mean, we know you like intuitive user experiences and things that just work straight out of the box. So I know you will appreciate Hover. It is super simple, clean, and easy to navigate. You could just search the term that you want, see all the prices listed, say, hey, I want that, buy that domain, and start using it today. Go to hover.com slash rocket, and you can get a 10% discount on all new purchases. That URL one more time. It is hover.com slash rocket, H-O-V-E-R.com slash rocket. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Thank you so much, Hover, for sponsoring our show for so long. I'm sorry, yes. my voice is getting Thank really you, bad because of the nose thing. Oh. I can't, I can't make ends. It's so gross. Wow, what are you be doing this week, Christina? You're traveling. Tell us why. Yes, um, I'm at a an offsite for uh, leads on uh, my team at work, and so we're um, going to be just. I'm just here for a couple of days, and then I'll be back um, in Seattle on Thursday. So just doing some work stuff. Oh, Brianna, what about you? I am gearing up for the timestamp factory tomorrow as Facebook is testifying before Congress about Libra. Uh, I've already done two interviews about it. I'm sure tomorrow is going to be a very frantic uh, fundraising day. Uh, Then after that, I'm going to pester Christina to write this book. And I actually get two days off this week. I am beyond burnt out. I am tired. I am exhausted. So uh, I'm actually going to take a couple of days off this week. Good for you. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, this week, I am reading The Witch Elm by Tana French uh, because I someone lent it to me. I think someone from work lent it to me and I was like, shoot, I should finally read this. But I read a great piece by Charles Finch, I believe in Vulture, um, now a uh, Vox Media collaboration um, about murder mystery writing. And he mentioned how she is not like Agatha Christie in that, you know, Agatha Christie just naturally spins up these seemingly effortless mysteries. It feels like Tana French thinks about the form of the mystery and does smart things with it, but that like she, it's very much a, an effort for her, not something that was like magic, like with Agatha Christie. Um, and th- that sounded really interesting to me. So I started reading this book, which is a murder mystery. Um, but it isn't until like page 250 of 500. Uh, so it is really <laughs> interesting and I am enjoying it a lot. Um, I literally have been up till like one or two in the morning these past two nights. Cause I am reading and I'm like, Okay, till the end of the section. Mm, oh no, oh no, I've overshot my mark. I must continue on, I guess. I can't stop. Um, <laughs> very good book. 
I read her Into awesome. the Woods. It is excellent, and I agree. She is a, uh, a a master of the mystery. She is excellent at that. Oh, I should read that one, too. I should read it next. All right. Hey, if you liked this show, you can find us online. I am on Twitter at Doom Quasar. What about you, Christina? I should just say where you guys are. <laughs> go, no, go on and do it. I, I'm at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams and for Instagram followers. Uh, my Christina's hotel tour season two is starting up. Uh, it's oh. everyone's favorite show. Uh, no, like legitimately, I had people at EXO telling other people when I was not around, like I heard from people, oh, I, I heard I should follow your Instagram for your hotel tours. This is, it's apparently a thing. So yeah, wow. uh, Christina's hotel tours are back and, uh, uh, that's on Instagram and then I'm I'm on Twitter and then you can find the videos that I do at work at youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. Brianna, what about you? Uh, I'm on the Twitter machine at Brianna Wu. Uh, I'm on Facebook at developer Brianna Wu. And if you want to support my congressional campaign, you can do that by going to supportbrianna.com. I have to tell you guys, I talk to Rocket listeners every week uh, during call time. You're just amazing people. So and I can't cool. thank you enough. Yep. All right. If you like this episode, please consider giving the show a rating on Apple Podcasts because uh, that's really cool and helps other people find the show as well. Um, and of course, share it with your friends because then we can all have... <coughs> I'm dying. I'm dying. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 <laughs> <laughs>